Hello, and welcome to Tabletop Game Talk, On Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. I'm Kitty. And I'm Chris. Today, with so many new releases being delayed and game stores having to f- having to fully close down, some of us have had the chance to revisit some old games in our collections. So whether it's playing a game you haven't played in a while, or finally getting a game to the table that's been sitting on your shelf for way too long, we'll be taking... We'll be talking about all the advantages of being able to play some older games like they were new again. But first, as always, a thank you to our Patreon friends of the show, Adam Harrison, the SGC, and the Gifted Games in Grays Lake, Illinois, which is one of those game stores that's currently shut down. And a huge thank you to all of our other patrons as well. <sighs> 189 episodes. Eventually, we're going to be good at this. I'll learn to read We'll someday. get through an intro. <laughs> yeah. <Bah. laughs> well, the thing is... I went to go check the show notes maybe an hour and a half ago, and there were none. Um, in my defense, <laughs> I completely thought I had comp- done the show notes because I created the document, but I just never filled anything in. And I created the document like three weeks ago. <laughs> I was you excited just, about this one. Command N. <laughs> title. <laughs> I, I did it. It's a little more complicated than that. I copy one show note, then delete all this stuff, the main content from it, and then fill oh, it in, and I had deleted. Command C, Command V. <laughs> that, it's that's not better. even that. It's file, make a copy, rename. Uh, but, so, uh, yeah, that, that leads to, people. we talk about our show notes from time to time. We talk about what's behind Fletcher from time to time. Um, <laughs> it's a game. It happens. What's it happens. Fletcher, <laughs> is it <laughs> still the same cardboard boxes? <laughs> yeah. They look like so they're... the person that is <laughs> supposed to be renting this room is stuck in California because of all the craziness. Um, ah. So she's not here, and uh, all her stuff is still here. It's a. Uh, it's Carmen's friend from high school is. Supposed to be like a house guest that is supposed to be staying with us for a while because she got a job here, but it's a whole long story, and now she's stuck in California and everything. So yeah, yeah. A lot she's of airlines are just doing private flights these days because no one else wants to book flights. So yeah, yeah. But <laughs> aside with, from the world ending, <laughs> yeah. Besides the world ending, um, this has for a while we were trying, especially at the I don't know. This seems like years now. I've been trying to figure out a way to do this of having people listen to us live while we're recording and be able to chat with us and basically see what we see, etc. And now due to social quarantines and distancings and all of that, and getting more and more familiar with Zoom, it has occurred to me that we can use Zoom to do exactly this. So starting with next week's episode, I will be posting a Zoom link that anyone can join. Um, It'll be our normal times that we record. We always say we record on Sunday, but then we always push it to Monday. So we're just going to (laughs) say Monday. Um, (laughs) Monday's at 8.30 Central. That's 9.30 Eastern and 6.30 Pacific. Um, There will be a link. Time zones. Hooray. Um, (laughs) Yes, and Mountain Time for those of you in that zone is somewhere between those. 7.30. 7.30. There you go. You got it. Nailed it. So I will... I will post the link and the time in the show notes for this episode. So if you listen to it on a podcast app or whatever, if you look at the um, notes, you'll see the link and the time. If you don't or 
you know, deletes because you listen to it. You can just go to our website, tabletopgametalk.com. Uh, we're always, the latest episode's always on the top, and you can have a link right there you can click on. If you don't have Zoom, it's about a 15-second install, and it works on everything. So the meeting ID will change every week, but everyone can join us. Um, again, 8.30. We usually, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes before we start recording. So, you know, at that point, everyone will be unmuted. But from once we start recording, we'll mute everybody, and anyone who joins will just join muted. You won't be able to unmute yourself or anything like that. But you will be able to talk to us in chat. You'll be able to see us. We'll be able to see you, so you can make funny faces. Um, but yeah, we're going to try this out. So I don't expect to be a ton of people, just because time zones, and even though we're all sequestered, it's still you know an hour and a half out of your day. We usually record between from 8.30 to 10 central time. Um but yeah, I'm I'm actually really looking forward to this and seeing how it works. So join us. Have fun. Maybe I'll make you read the credits at the end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Cruel and unusual punishment, Chris. Oh, right. I won't make you read the credits at the end of the show. Everyone drops off about two minutes before we get to the <laughs> outro. Not here anymore. Um, but yeah, we have we have pre-show banter and we have post-show banter, which obviously you will be a part of. Um, the show itself, once we hit record, is pretty much unedited. You'll just hear our awkward pauses from time to time that tend to get stripped out just because I strip silences. But otherwise, uh, yeah, we look forward to it. Sometimes you get to be part of experiencing either me or Chris forgetting to plug in our microphone for periods of time. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> You you did restart first before checking the cables, so which is fine. That's both of those things need to you happen. Recorded for twelve minutes first before <laughs> realizing it wasn't recording. So you know who's the winner, Chris. Now I'm looking over. Okay, yep, <laughs> I'm getting a signal. All is good. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of our kind of our cool announcement. This will be available for everybody for as long as we're sequestered. Um, actually. For as long as we're sequestered or until the end of May, whatever comes second. <laughs> that makes sense, right? Um, yes. And then, <laughs> and then after that, um, this will be like a Patreon, Patreon feature. So essentially, I'll post the link to Patreon. And if you want to join us, you can do that. Um, so yeah, that, I'm, like I said, I'm excited for this. Uh, what have you guys been doing for the last week? Just watching all of the movies. Arms. <laughs> <laughs> Kitty is getting very pregnant, so is looking for a microphone arm so she can sit back in the chair. I need to and, recline while I record. Yeah. None of and this Fletch sitting upright business. <laughs> and Fletcher, you're binge watching all the Star Wars movies? Watching all the Star Wars movies, yeah. Just found out today that uh, we got, I mean, <laughs> we got approved for a puppy, so we're going to get a puppy. Ooh. Is this a bring the puppy to your house thing? Uh, I mean, you buy a puppy and then they're yours forever well so <laughs> so my niece they did this thing where they went on the website and said okay we want to meet this puppy actually no two cats actually and they brought the cats to the house because you can't go and be socializing with anybody apparently um so they just came and they dropped them off in carriers and then they left and then she went out grabbed the carriers and brought them into the house oh uh, so no this is not that um we were getting like a purebred um, golden retriever. It's an English cream. Um, it's something we put a deposit down on like a while ago. And we went to go visit the breeder. Uh, they're up in Fond du Lac. Um, and we saw we met like a bunch of their dogs and stuff like that. Um, 
And we found out today that like the litter that they're having were like the right one in line. So like we'll have we'll have a chance to pick uh, one of the puppies out. So that'll probably happen Yay. in about eight ish weeks or so. Yeah, in about eight weeks. So I'm not sure how um, that is going to happen, but it should be at the end of May. So maybe things will be a little bit better. Um, I mean, I guess. I mean, I have no idea what's gonna. I get. I guess we'll just drive up there and like grab the puppy and then drive back. I don't know. It'll be like reverse Master delivery. Loves, it's called baby. pickup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and for all of you animal rights shelter conscious people, um, Fletcher's still a good person, um, regardless of the fact that he's using a breeder. I'm sure he checked his resource on this breeder. Yes. Just smile and nod. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is a very reputable It's breeder. not like you went down to uh, Petco and bought a puppy. No, no. Like, all of the puppies are, like, spoken for for months out. So there aren't, it's not like a puppy mill or anything. And they're all, like, purebred. They have, like, uh, like their lineage all that stuff. Um, there's a bunch of uh, like famous people too that use this breeder apparently. So yeah, and I, 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 some people might you know give us a hard time because we're not like adopting one. But I've never had a dog before, and apparently golden retrievers are really easy good dogs to have. So I'm gonna go with that. They are extremely attached to their owners. Yeah, I had a golden <laughs> retriever as a kid, um, and to make up just. So for show karma, um, I did spend about six years as an adoption counselor at Paws Chicago to uh, adopting out just pretty much any dog that needed a home. So we're balanced. We're balanced, I promise. Um, Kitty, you got yours my, from... My dog is adopted. Yeah. He, he's actually a pit bull that we adopted, but he is a pit bull hound chow chow bulldog mix. And he looks like a black lab until you see him next to a black lab. And then you're like, that's not a black lab. Yeah. <laughs> I, say. I don't I see like, any... dog does not look like a pit bull. Yeah, I see yeah. no pit in him, but but if you I'll, look at him upside down when he does that like weird smile thing, that's the <laughs> only time you see it. Yeah, uh, um, and that's another thing too is pit bulls get a really bad rap, even though they are they they are responsible for far less um, like animal human attacks slash interactions slash whatever you want to call it than many many other breeds. It's just they had got a, such a bad rap in the eighties, and they've never been able to shake it. I mean, breeds go in and out of favor, and the thing about the pit bull breed is it's actually four breeds, whatever. We can go through this another time. This is not mm-hmm. the podcast for this, but <laughs> my dog is an extremely affectionate and good dog, and right now he's wearing the cone of shame because he got a small cut on his leg that he won't stop licking, Aww. and there's no way we are going to the vet in this climate, <laughs> so he's, he's stuck in the cone. <laughs> and that's that for Tabletop Pit Talk. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to say I we binge watched Cheer this week and not Tiger King but Cheer and wow that sh- I I recommend that it's another Netflix documentary that went I don't know viral a few months so ago I guess did you watch Tiger King at all uh not even a little bit I am so oh my gosh so so very you don't know how Carol Baskins killed her husband yeah I am so very uninterested in it um it's you think you're uninterested in it until you're three episodes in and you're like, yeah. ah, Chris, I was, I was there. I was like, I don't care about this. And then I started watching it and <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I can't stop. What do you think, Fletcher? Did Carol Baskins kill her husband? I have no idea. She, all, all I know <laughs> is that she is the most sane out of everyone. <laughs> She's insane. I don't know. She's so, 
that's not saying much because she's yeah. totally insane too. <laughs> so my problem is I would probably watch it just to be on in the on the know, but Sydney is even less interested than I am. And when she gets into that spot, she just like it doesn't matter what it is, she just will detest it. I don't so, think Sydney would enjoy this. <laughs> yeah. So what I'll probably do, because I usually stay up about three or four hours later than she does, I'll probably end up binging it on the nights that she goes to sleep. So by the next episode, I'll probably have it's only eight episodes, right? Seven, yeah. I think, even. All right. I'll probably watch it between now and then. It'll just be late at night. All right. Should we talk about some games? Sure. Let's do. <laughs> All right. Great. <laughs> we're, th- we're literally like 13 minutes in. Yeah. This is right around the time Chris would have noticed his microphone wasn't plugged in. <laughs> <laughs> it's plugged in. So you've heard everything. <laughs> so this week, and this is an episode I wanted to talk about for a couple of weeks now because I've been doing this more and more. Um, but it's become easier to do because we've talked about the fact that I have a rather large collection, um, and I think many of our listeners do as well. And the problem with getting a lot of new games is you don't get them to the table as fast as you get them into your collection. So recently, um, FFG and Asmodee, basically everything Asmodee distribution, has pushed all of their new releases. So there's no new releases from Asmodee or any of their companies for the next, until May at least. Um, game stores have closed down, so they're not getting the same level of inventory as they've getting, gotten before. And Amazon isn't accepting new shipments of non-essential products. So even getting things on Amazon is a little tricky unless the seller themselves takes on the responsibility of doing the shipping. Yeah, my mic arm isn't going to get here for like 20 days. Exactly. I'm very <laughs> it's, disappointed. It's So it's crazy in how few games I'm not getting lately. And I had been cutting back in general over the last year. Um, I still got a couple Kickstarters in because those are just fulfill when they, when they come in. But so I'm looking, I'm like, oh, I, I don't have anything new to regret not playing. And I'm looking at my shelves, but I'm like, but I have all these games that I've never touched and had for <laughs> years. So I started just pulling things off the shelf and it made me think about why didn't I do this earlier? Why not just go on a game hiatus for a couple years, couple years, couple months <laughs> and, and just be like, I'm not going to buy any new games until I've played 10 that I haven't played in a long time or have never played. You know, and just kind of do, do a 10 to 1 ratio. Nope, you have to play this 10 games before you can buy one new game. Um, which I, that actually sounds like a great idea during the before times. <laughs> the before well, I think time. part of why you don't, <laughs> <laughs> part of why you don't do that is um, the Kickstarter model. Kickstarter really, it's random. It's, it's like this delayed gratification, randomized thing. So, like, you can say, oh, I'm going to play 10 games before I back anything on Kickstarter. But then it's like, am I really getting something for that? I'm playing these 10 games, and then I get the promise of a game maybe uh, six months to a year and a half to five years from now. I don't know. <laughs> like, it's not the same as I play these 10 games, and then I go to the uh, – hop down to Gift of Games and pick up a new game. Yep. Well, and exactly. I mean – but at the same time, I don't have to go and buy new games when I haven't played the games I already have. Like, I'll go and Cosmic Encounters Duel just, well, was announced and delayed. But um, so I'm like, yeah, I definitely want this game because I like Cosmic Encounters and this is Cosmic Encounters for two players. Um, So I immediately said, pre-order it for me. I must have it. But I have so many dueling games 
that I don't play now. So do I really need it? Answer, yes. But do I really need it right <laughs> now? <laughs> this is the question. And answer is no, I don't. I, I really, really don't. So have you guys gotten in any game plays that you wouldn't normally have gotten in in the last month or so because of just being quarantined? Yeah. I mean, I haven't played many games at all since being the quarantine or, you know, shelter at home order. But the, and because you are your game group doesn't live with you is essentially my game. Your group problem, does not right? live with me. Yeah, that's my problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've played more. We've been playing vampire quite a bit. We've been doing that much more frequently. Um, but I haven't really been playing many board games because um, Animal Crossing has consumed my entire life. And I'm very sorry about that. Well, and I think that's that makes sense, though. It's it, I have found I am envious. And Sydney and I were just talking about this the other day. It's like, we love Zachary. We really do. But he takes up a lot of our conscious time. Yeah. And it's not like we can just sit and binge TV or play games all day long or anything. Because as long as he's awake... Someone has to make sure. Yeah. You have to make sure he's not trying to kill himself because that's what he does. That's his job right now. That's what they do. Yeah. Player three is at least getting old enough where he is not actively trying all the time, just kind of passively most of the time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Zachary's decided. So we let him climb up the stairs at night for bath time. And now he's, he's discovered the railing and he holds onto the railing and then climbs up the stairs backwards. So he literally takes backwards steps up the railing. And I'm like, you're having Can't so you much... Can't just do it the normal way? <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's just having so much fun and it's so hard to punish him for uh, correcting him for something that is so funny. Yeah. But... Uh, oh, I hear you. And, oh my gosh, what did... I don't even remember what he did the other day. <laughs> he was... <laughs> He was showing us his muscles. He was flexing so hard at the table that he farted. <laughs> <laughs> and I really didn't want to laugh. <laughs> but it was so funny. I like had my head That's under so a good. napkin. Like I can't. <laughs> but it was yeah. so good. Um, but you really so, don't want to encourage that. <laughs> and it just takes up so much of your game playing time, right? It really does. <laughs> So, but there's been still, I I have gotten a few to the table and it started out with Cloudspire. So Cloudspire is this well, very overproduced game from Chip Theory Games. Everything Chip Theory does is overproduced and overproduced in the best possible way because <laughs> all of their pieces are poker chips. All of their boards are um, the neoprene are mats. Are the uh, Too Many Bones people? The Too Many Bones people, yeah. yep. And... Cloudspire, I I went all in on the Kickstarter and I got all the stuff and it was sitting in my basement for a couple months now. And someone had mentioned, I don't even remember where I heard it, but someone mentioned that Cloudspire was kind of like MOBA, a MOBA-inspired game. So if you're not familiar with MOBA games, it's like League of Legends type of things where you have a hero and you have minions and you're attacking each other's base and trying to, you know, basically take them down before you take them down. And I like the concept of these kinds of games, and I like the overproduction that Chip Theory does, and Cloudspire has a solo play, and so I'm like, you know, I'm just going to set this up and figure out how to play it, because that's the other thing they do, is the rules are a little um, nuanced, is the word I'm going to use. (laughs) The kind (laughs) word. (laughs) Yes. 
So it takes a little while. It took me probably a good 12 hours of watching videos and reading the rule books and kind of stepping through before I'm like, all right, I think I have a grasp on this game. And I played it and I'm like, all right, this is fun. I like this. I I can play this. And then it started making me think about Too Many Bones, which I haven't played since we were in the building, which was almost 100 episodes ago. Because it was just a really long time. And I remember there were a few things I didn't like about it, but I really liked the concept. So I backed the next Kickstarter and I just backed the next Kickstarter, which is going to fulfill in the next, I don't know, a few weeks. So I'm like, I pulled that out and I played an entire um, campaign of that, which I actually ended up really, really liking. It's a it's a great solo game. Um, probably good multiplayer as well, but it's a really good solo game. And... That's what got me thinking, hey, I need to try more of these things. Um, the next one I pulled down, and you guys, have you ever heard of a book called the Stu- A Study in Emerald? No. Um, yes. Like Neil Neil Gaiman. Something. Yeah. It's um, a Sherlock Holmes-ish story. With Cthulhu mixed in. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And so... Sydney had read this for a book club, I don't know, like five years ago. And then she bought this. And when we started dating, if this is just something that she had, the game's been not in shrink, but everything inside the box has been in shrink since we've known each other. I almost took this from you one time. Yeah. This (laughs) has turned out. So I finally pulled it down. I'm like, we're going to finally play this game because it's an ugly green box. And if it's not a game that we want to (laughs) play, then we should just get rid of it. And we played it the other day, and this is possibly my favorite deck building game I have ever played. It is, and I've only played one game so far, but I want to play so many more. It's still set up on the table so that we can play again. Um, but like, I this would have definitely not happened had I'm not like, let's just go back and revisit old games. Um, I actually, I have to talk about this game just briefly. <laughs> and by briefly, I'm going to look at the clock. All right. So <laughs> the way this works and the why this is one of my favorite deck building games. So you have two kinds of deck building games. You have the Dominion style where it's like set out X number of piles of cards and you're buying, everyone's buying from a community pile of cards. And then you have your Ascension slash um, Hero Realms or Star Realm style, which is here's this line of cards and you go back and forth buying from the line and the line gets refilled. Um, but on your turn, you just buy whatever buy whatever you want. This one is more in that realm where there's a set of cards that you can buy and they're, they're, actually, you don't buy them, but they're randomly set up. I think there's nine, 11, nine, five plus four, nine, nine cards that you can buy. And each one has its own individual stack, which are cities that you can go to. But in order to get a card from that city, you have to have an, an agent and some influence there more than anyone else. And you can only buy a card at the beginning of your turn. So if I'm going for a specific card, you can tell that I'm going for that card and you can try to stop me by moving your agents in to prevent me from getting that card. So it creates this thing where I'm like, I can't just buy the best card up. I have to buy it and not get stopped by the beginning of my next turn, which just adds this really interesting twist to it. And there are hidden roles. So you're either, I don't, loyalist or recreationist or something like that. That's not the right thing, but it starts with an R. Um, you're, you're pink or green. And every card, not every card, but the cards, <laughs> the cards either have um, neutral points or pink points or green points. But as you get points, 
regardless of the color, you're going to move your marker up on the point meter because the point meter is one of the ways the game can end. But once the game ends, any point that doesn't match your your color, alignment. just alignment, don't count. <laughs> so they get removed. So you have a general idea of how many points people have collected, but you don't have an exact idea of are they collecting the green points or the pink points, unless you're watching them. And then you can be like, okay, you're going for a lot of pink points, so you must be that. Then you have this idea of sanity, where if you pick up certain cards, you roll sanity dice. And once you have three insanities that go against you, you reveal your card. And if you're pink and your card's revealed, the game just ends immediately. (laughs) Or if you have no agents, your card's revealed, and the game can just end immediately. So you have these very sudden um, endings of the game on top of all of that. I don't know but, how I feel about that. <laughs> but all of the sudden endings can be prevented if you know what how it can happen. So it's like, okay, you're o- there's only certain ways that you can actually roll the sanity dices if you're going out and killing monsters and, and recruiting certain cards, which are good for you because you want to end it. But someone else can see what you're doing and they can go out there and kill the monsters, which aren't giving them points, but taking points. Oh, my God. This game is so good. And... Yeah, so that was three minutes of me just ranting about how much I like this game. <laughs> um, I have a couple others on the uh, two others on this list too, but I'm going to pause for just a moment because um, otherwise it's just going to be talking about games. Um, let me switch this over to a question to you guys: games in your collection that you want to get to the table, and why haven't you gotten them to the table in the last three weeks? Kids and living with non-gamer fiancés are not <laughs> excuses. So other excuses besides those. I mean, part of it's just having, I mean, it, like the the higher player counts. It's not two player playable games. I would say most of the games I really enjoy playing are not two player count games. Is there a game in your collection that you haven't had a chance to get to the table that you want to? I'm sure there is. I didn't because- even look at them this week though, because ser- I, you know, and part of it's just I have a new video game I'm playing. <laughs> and I'm really into my new video game. And that's not a good reason, but it's my reason. <laughs> that's a fine reason. I have a mortgage that I have to pay off because I need another room in my house because I have all the kitchen furniture and I have nowhere to put all my kitchen furniture. And it's taking up all my room in storage so I can't hold on to my bugs and I need to hold on to my bugs so that when the person comes to the island, I can sell all my bugs for the most money. I literally can't tell if that's real life or a game. <laughs> I I don't collect books in real life. <laughs> I thought you're, you're like, I have a mortgage on my house. I'm like, yeah, and so does everybody else. How does that stop you from playing a game? <laughs> um, no, that is the game. That is Animal Crossing, yeah. is you have a mortgage, and how do you pay it off? And oh my goodness, I wish that real life, though, I could wander around and shake trees and money would fall on me and that was an acceptable way to pay your mortgage. (laughs) Uh, I could make this whole episode about Animal Crossing and I won't. Maybe next week we'll do Animal Crossing. It's very good. It's making me happy. Um, My brother also plays Animal Crossing and he found the board game. It's like a piece of furniture you can have in your house. It's a board game, and it looks like Settlers of Catan. So he sent it to me. Oh, that's awesome. I think the original Animal Crossing, it was like chess or something like that was the board game. No, it definitely looks. I'll have to, maybe I'll tweet my screenshot of my house again, because I think my last house picture, I didn't have it yet. My brother also sent me a sewing project. He's very good at finding furniture that's like too much like my real life home. 
So, Fletcher, are you in this Animal, animal Crossing, crossing thing? <laughs> home with an no. iron and a sewing project out? Oh, you should be. It's no, so I fun. Don't, uh, I don't play Animal Crossing, and I don't really find the appeal in it, though I haven't played it. Ha- so I was going to say, to me, if you've it just never seems played like it, you can't understand. I it know, is. but how people describe it It's delightful it seems like work, work that's rewarding. It's like, you have a mortgage, and you get to pay it off. I'm like, I already have that. Um, yeah, but it's mortgage. gonna take you like what thirty years to pay off your mortgage <laughs> instead of six days, and that's if you're being lazy. All right, I and this the museum is, is beautiful. This is foreshadowing. We are just gonna do an episode <laughs> on Animal Crossing in the near future. Oh my god, I'm gonna get it, and yeah, you have to get it, Chris and Fletcher. You have to get Sydney it too. Sydney will and, love it, and we'll all play it for well. Kitty's going to play it regardless. But Fletcher, you and I will play it for a week, and then we can talk about Animal Crossing. And I wouldn't be too surprised okay. if it's our highest downloaded show. <laughs> <laughs> it is, like, the biggest hit of a video game in recent history, because it came out right around the time where everyone is like, all I want to do is, like, live normal life and go play outside. And that's all you do in the game. And it's Didn't great. they release it early? Because... No. Oh, all this right. was his planned release. Right. So watch this. Watch this segue. Speaking of other <laughs> huge hits, um, another game that was on my shelf that's been there since it came out was Pandemic: Fall of Rome, which was not a huge hit, but Pandemic is obviously. So that's that's my segue. Great this, segue. Uh, and again, I'm assuming <laughs> this was a great segue. Shut up. Um, <laughs> I where are you going with that? I assume that I assume that neither of you Hot potato played this game. <laughs> I have not. This is so it is not it is easier to say how this game is similar to pandemic proper base whatever than it is to how it how it differs. And the way that it is similar is you still have characters with roles, although those characters are far more interesting. Um most of them have at least two abilities and then a special ability that can randomly come up at times. Um and then the mechanic of how things um, at- basically attack in this one and how you cure things. But even those are varied from the base pandemic. I do not like the base pandemic game. I really, really, really like this game. Fall of Rome is a gamer's pandemic. Do you think that somebody who likes pandemic would like it? I think you would love this game. So... The way this game works is there's not four viruses. There's actually five barbarian tribes. Mm-hmm. And the tribes are attempting... I feel like I learned quite a bit about this from the uh, game designer documentary. It is. It's... Yes. Yeah. It is definitely... He talks about it a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... And this is one of the reasons why I'm like, all right, I have to play this because now I, I'm a, relating the two. But so the way this works is you have five barbarian tribes. And each tribe has a different number of cubes that can potentially attack. And they're all trying to invade Rome. So you can make alliances with the barbarian tribes by the same pandemic formula, turn in X number of cards. But each tribe has a different number of cards you have to turn in from five to three. So I think it's five, five, four, four, three, or something like that for the five tribes. Um, Once you've made an alliance with them, they are still invading and you still have to attack them and fend them off. Because apparently this is historically accurate, as in Rome was making alliances with these tribes, but they were still having all these little skirmishes in these outlying cities with them. But instead of, um, you know, that kind of mass heal when you heal in pandemic that you cure everything, in this one you turn all of them into legions. What are legions, you ask? 
This is how you fight the barbarians. So you can't just take an action to get rid of a barbarian cube. You have to have these legions that can run around with you. And when you attack the barbarians, you roll three dice, which will tell you how many cubes get removed, how many legions get removed. And then there's a special symbol that will trigger the special ability, the, the third or fourth special ability on your character card um, that gets triggered with that. Now, I thought it re- originally it's like, ah, that's going to be too random. It's going to be, eh, I don't know if I really like this whole dice rolling thing. It is so well balanced as far as what sides do. Yes, you oftentimes lose a lot of your legions, but you do still attempt to get rid of everything in that area. And then managing these legions, managing running around, and then you have forts. So forts are kind of protective areas where if you have a fort and a legion there, with if a barbarian wants to invade, it removes one legion. If you don't have a fort, and say you have three legions in a spot, but there's no player there, if a barbarian moves in, all the legions go away. So you have to manage where your forts are, where you leave your legionnaires, I guess legionnaires or legions, I don't know. Um, there's just a lot to think about, and it, it's just so much more interesting than basic pandemic and so much fun. I just, oh, I, oh, I, I just like it. So, so did you play so this with Sydney? Did you play this solo, or did I played you it solo play- two handed? Okay. So I played two characters. I wonder if you'll still like it playing with another human. So maybe. <laughs> um, well, one of the things too in this one, the rules are everyone plays with all their cards face up. So. Mm-hmm. That's different than um, Pandemic Legacy, at least. I don't know what the default for Pandemic is. Um, but And I played it solo with two characters, but there's actually a solo mode where you take on the role of three characters. You have one hand, but three characters that you're moving between. And then there's this um, uh, like market or something like that, that when you trade with another player, you can actually trade to the market or pull a card from the market, um, which I think would be much more interesting in a as a solo experience. I want to replay it again with the actual solo experience versus two characters back and forth. Playing it with another person, there would definitely be a lot of discussion because there's so much to think about here. And sometimes your actions are just, I'm going to move here, recruit two legions, and then fight. And that's my whole action. But getting someone else to do that feels like, well, that doesn't seem very productive. I'm like, yeah, but it's the right thing to do for what we're doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, this game really, really surprised me. I would have just left it on the shelf for probably forever until I brought it to Gen Con and gave it away. Um, but I don't think I'm actually going to give this one away because if I wanted to play Pandemic, I think this is the one I would pull out. If I was going to play with like, let's just play a, a co-op. It's not as simple as Pandemic. But if it's just like, let's just play a co-op game with, you know, four or five friends, three or four friends. It's a four to five or it's one to five players. Um this is the one I would rather pull out than just a straight game of Pandemic. I like it. You guys should track it down. Kitty, you should definitely track it down. I'll get right on that. Or... Once they <laughs> stop... <laughs> we could play it over Zoom. Maybe we can do that. Because I will just roll your dice through a dice tower so it's like you're rolling them. Um, or I have dice in my house. Um, They're special dice. They are special. But we could map them. Yeah. This is side one, side two, three, four, five, six. I don't know. I really really liked this game you might maybe people who like pandemic wouldn't like it because it doesn't feel like pandemic i mean it's hard because like because i played pandemic iberia and i played pandemic um the the cthulhu one i don't remember um i think it's just a special name i think it has more words in it um but anyway i remember enjoying pandemic i 
Xperia better than Cthulhu. The Cthulhu, I felt like, strayed too far from feeling like a pandemic game to me. I think it was mostly like the the fantasy of it. So I don't know where Rome would fit in. I like the part where it's a disease. I like the part where, you know, you're fighting, you're all working together to fight this thing. Um, and in Cthulhu, there was like the sanity aspect of it made it feel somehow like slightly less cooperative, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, well, I thought, Fletcher, I loaned you Cthulhu for a while. Did you guys ever play that? You loaned Pandemic me Cthulhu? Cthulhu? You didn't Pandemic loan me Cthulhu, yeah. This was Christmas way, way back when I lived at the building. <clears throat> uh, at least I think I no, did. No, I have not ever played that. I'm, I don't remember you ever loaning it to me, and I have definitely not played it. Hmm. Oh, is this like you were going to have a board game party, and he gave you like a stack of like a bunch of games? You did, you did give me a bunch of games one time, but... Pandemic Cthulhu was not one of those. All right. Well, so you have not played this one. Um, yeah. For, for those who have played Iberia and who have played Cthulhu, Iberia, um, the similarities, uh, uh, Rome still has the ports that Iberia had. So you can go from, from like one port to another. <coughs> but I think that's probably the main things that that shares, besides a different map. Cthulhu, to me, was just watered down. It was... It didn't feel like there's a lot going on. It's like, go kill the gates. All right. And all the colored cards work the same. All right. Like, there wasn't really a lot of restriction or challenge there. It was one of those games where it felt like somehow both too similar and not similar enough to... Like, it It kept the parts of Pandemic that I don't enjoy as much, <laughs> if yeah. that makes sense. And then the parts that it added... I found just kind of like either boring or confusing. So didn't didn't really strike a chord with me there. So that might just turn me off from wanting to play more expansions or versions, I guess. Versions. Um, Rome is good, though. Like I say, Iberia was fine. It didn't like get me like, oh, my God, I really want to play this game again. Um, Well, I will say you played it with other humans. Sure. I tell you. I think but, that's your thing with Pandemic, is it's a great solo game for you, and you don't like playing it with other humans because you have to deal with other humans making decisions. But we were playing with Christy, and she was really, really <laughs> cool to play with. So I enjoyed that game because of the human we were playing with. Yes. Um, Christy is great. I just... And, and Cthulhu was eh. Fall of Rome, though? <laughs> I'm just saying, try Fall of Rome. I just tell you, try playing with another human before I take your word seriously. I, I'm just going to make you play it with me over Zoom. Okay. Let and, me know a day of the week. Yeah. Um, Spencer yeah. can play with us, too. Done. And Sydney will opt to play with Zachary instead, which is fun. Well, I assumed we would do this after bedtime. Yeah. Because you want me to play. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think you would like this. Uh, which leads to, well, speaking of Cthulhu, a Cthulhu game that I was... This is something that I have played before. Um, and relatively recently, and really liked, but then was going to be like, eh, when am I going to get this to the table again? And that's Cthulhu Death May Die, which I think I briefly mentioned last week, um, we playing with Jen recently. on Zoom. Yep. Yeah. And th- this game is so good. Like, the more I play it, the more I want to play it. And I think that what I discovered was the first time I play a game, I get a good feel for whether or not I like it or don't like it. Um, if I don't like it, I'm probably not going to go back and visit it. If I like it, it's like, great, that game was fun. The second 
time I play it, especially if there's some space between it, I start to appreciate it more than it's like, okay, I liked Cthulhu Death May Die the first time I played it. The second time, I really started to appreciate it for what it does and just how varied it is and how interesting it is. And win or lose, it's still interesting to be playing the game. Um, oh, what was a game? Sydney and I just played this a game the other day. Oh, uh, Tang Garden. This is just recently fulfilled on Kickstarter. This is a gorgeous game as far as table presence are concerned. Um, Google Tang Garden. I give you permission to go on the Googles. It, there's so many 3D pieces, so much going on. And as hard as a tile laying, um, basically point gathering game. Uh, but when you're done playing, you have this like really gorgeous board. And when we got done playing it, we looked at the board and the board was like cool. And we're like, this is just, it's, the board's too busy to actually facilitate being able to play the game. It's just like, there's so much stuff there that just covers up what you need to see. And it was interesting enough. We got to the end and we're like, okay, that game wasn't bad, but I wasn't having fun while playing the game. (laughs) And I immediately packed it up and I'm going to throw it on eBay. Like it's going on eBay for like 150 bucks or something like that because it's a Kickstarter. And I'm just like, I'm just going to throw it on eBay because I will never play this game again. There was nothing interesting about playing the game for us. But I can see why other people would really like it. This was a Kickstarter I passed on when we yeah. were doing the Kickstarter edition. I don't know if you remember that. Um, probably. <laughs> it, but I mean, and it, it, it's cool. It has those cool tile laying aspects. It has a really a lot of cool concepts and it looks amazing. It looks, I, I feel like if I'm remembering this properly, there are, were a lot of tile laying kind of Japanese garden games that I saw on Kickstarter, like within a few months of each other. And they all seemed to be competing with each other, like who can have the coolest, best components and like what looks the best. And um, like it, it seemed like it, it got too busy. Like there's too much going on. They were too much like we need to stand out. So they made all of this stuff, but didn't really consider how that affected actually playing the game. Well, and there's some really interesting concepts here. So the mm-hmm. way the board works um, is you have is basically a square board that you're going to lay tiles on. So you have a four by four t- starting tile that goes in the middle. Uh, you have to when you put a new tile down, it has to match in essentially terrain type. So there's water, um, forest, and rock that have to match up, or you can match up walking paths. And so when you lay a tile. You may get something. You'll advance on one of the three paths of rock. Again, those three rocks, forest, or um, water. And you are attempting to get people to come visit the garden. At some point, whenever you get someone new to come visit the garden, you lose the ability of one of the other people. So each of these characters gives you an ability while they're not in the garden. When you get a new character, you pick one to put in the garden. They also have a preference for what they want to see. So where they're looking and where they're sitting matters. The outside of the board has places for, on each side, has places for two large sceneries and three small sceneries that sit in front of them. So they're actually standing up. You like push them into the board. So when you're done, you have this like whole surrounding thing where if you kind of lowered your eye level, you could see what the characters are seeing. And they want to see 
different symbols and stuff. Uh, they also want to see different symbols on the terrain types sometimes. So sometimes they're looking off in the distance. Sometimes they're looking at the terrain they're looking at. Um, sometimes they're looking at the decorations. So you have gazebos and bridges and fish and flowers and birds and miscellaneous things. There's also trees you can put down. So there's like this set collection thing. All the decorations are you gain points by like the sets you have or how many different ones. It's a lot of Sushi Go kind of scoring on that one. Sometimes you want one as many unique ones as you can. Sometimes you want as many pairs as you can. Um, like I said, there's it's there's a lot of interesting concepts there. And if you liked those kind of games, you would love this one. We just discovered it's like, eh, this really isn't our kind of game. Laying tiles to get points. And I think I've mentioned this before. Laying tiles to get points, just not the type of thing that I like. Um, but I'm happy to let someone else like it because... It's a very, very pretty game if you do like that stuff. Are you looking, I'm looking at, at it? Sorry, photos I of got it. distracted. Yeah, I'm looking um, at photos of it. Yeah. It does look very pretty. Yeah. I think this is something that a casual or non-gamer would really enjoy. Because it's not overly complicated. Like, the the turns you take are super simple. There's only two main actions and three optional options, option, optional actions you can take. So, it's very, very streamlined. Especially if someone knows how to play it already. Um but yeah, the one hundred Tori is the one that um, I was thinking of. That and Gardens of Babylon too. These are all three Kickstarters that I covered while we were doing either Dice Tower News or the Kickstarter edition. That all kind of have the same Gardens of Babylon, not as much, but one hundred Tori and Tang Garden. I remember looking at both of them and being like, "Wow, this is a lot." <laughs> <laughs> like I say, it's it was it was okay. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. And the pieces are really striking. And I the table presence must be amazing. If you were like to play this out in public, you would have people coming over asking what you're up to, I'm sure, constantly, because it's crazy. But also, you would never want to bring this out to play in public because it's got like eight bazillion pieces. The box does a pretty good job at containing them. And I say pretty good because there's a lot of places to put pieces, but no <laughs> real defined way of how these pieces are supposed to be placed inside of it. Short of the gazebo things, which I don't think they call it gazebos, but I call them gazebos. But yeah, I mean, and a lot of people will relate it to something like um, photosynthesis because of the trees. I will relate it to photosynthesis because of the AP. When you are placing <laughs> things, because yeah. it is a you're gaining points and every point matters. And it's like, well, I could place this here and I put that leader there, but I could draw another tile and do this or it's like photosynthesis. But if instead of just trees, you had like nine different kinds of things. Yes. Yep. But it is the same kind of look of the stand up pieces. Yeah. It's a very three dimensional game. It's a very, you're just, you're trying to get points and every point matters type of thing. Um, but yeah, we played this one, and I'm glad we did. And now uh, we'll be on... I was actually even going to paint all the figures and stuff, because I'm like, oh, this is so like such a great-looking game. Like I'm going to paint everything, and then I played it, and I'm like, I'm not going to do any of that. The colored bases are just fine, and I don't need to spend any more time on this game. But I, I say that, and I'm it's, again, it's not a bad game. It has an 8.0 on BGG. Like, it's not a bad game. It's just not a game for me. All right. I feel like I'm just going to talk about a couple more games I want to play, and then we'll call it a show. <laughs> I mean, if you want, now that I'm already logged into Kickstarter here, because I got distracted, um, I can look at some of my Kickstarters that I'm like, oh, I really wanted to play this and haven't. Yeah, let's hear them. 
Um, you know, I've been doing a better job of playing games. I am bummed, though, that, like, a couple of the games that, like, I would really want to play right now just haven't fulfilled yet. I have Whiskey um, Business in my basement that I've been tempted to bring up and play, which is a Kickstarter that you gave me unopened. Yeah. Well, I bought it for Spencer, Spencer's game that I gave him for Christmas that he never touched. And I was like, fine. <laughs> you don't want it. We'll get rid of it. <laughs> now I'm definitely going to play it. I'd be like, man, this game is so good. You guys should really get it. I'm actually very impressed with myself here with how many of these I've played. Um, but Bad Maps is one that I've been um, wanting to play. This is a programming pirate game so you are a pirate captain who is trying to get your crew to dig for treasure and you create a map for them but then there's a blackout board that goes over so some of your directions get skipped each time and so but you don't know how that's going to work and i haven't played it yet but it's been sitting there waiting for me to play since i got it almost a year ago um but i don't remember this one might be one where we yeah i need a third person which is why we haven't played it. <laughs> um, and yeah, then, the three to X player games are really tricky. It's so tricky. I don't know. Maybe I can get either you or Amy if I can figure out how to get this to work on Zoom. Um, and then Gem Hens is another one that I think I even like brought it to your place one time. I was like, oh, we should do this. And then we didn't. I actually want to play Gem Hens. It so looks if it's so fun. Does it ha- is it just a pure um, open information game? Because if it is, then we can definitely play it on Zoom. I don't know that I've ever even figured out how to play it. Well, now <laughs> you have an excuse. I will at least, if nothing else, I will go read the rule book for Gem Hens. All right, because Fletcher, I have a question it for was you. So yeah, hilarious sounding to me. Oldest game in your collection that you have not played? Ooh, uh, oldest. Uh, I I think it. Is probably one of the ones that you gave me. Um, uh, what is it? The it's the D and D. I think like Adventure of Drist. Remember that? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's basically there's like eight of those games now. Um, <laughs> the D and D Adventure System. There, it's not bad, and I think you can play that solo too. Um, if you, you wanted to, you could it pull as that like out. D and D in a box, kind of. Yeah, it's D&D 4th Edition in a box, um, which yeah. for most people who didn't like 4th Edition, um, if you it 4th Edition made a better board game than a role-playing game for most people, and this just boils that down into, okay, fine, here's 4th Edition in a box. Have fun. Play it. Here's these scenarios. Um, it got better the more and more you went because it became more campaign-oriented versus scenario-oriented. Um which allowed you to carry over from one game to another your characters. But it is, it's not too bad. You should try it if you get bored. Yeah. From I, Star Wars. I found I'm, I'm two there. games that I backed that are two player <laughs> that I haven't played. But now I need to do that. I'll make Spencer play these. And that is The Curse of Misfortune Lane and Ephemeris. Ephemeris. I don't know um, it's because I back weird things that nobody else pays any attention to. But it's you back the ones that had like 48 backers. Yeah. It's like, I'm back to um, 49. We made our goal. Like- we had 60 people. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's look. Tang Gardens, which was one you backed, has, um, almost 11,000 backers. Ephemeris has, I don't know how to scroll with this computer. 
Um, it's, it's almost good 700. <laughs> so 11,000 versus 700? Yep. Um, and the Curse of Misfortune Lane is 440. <laughs> it just means you're unique. I enjoy games that Gem Hens only had 122. Nobody else does. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's nothing wrong with these games. They're smaller games. Bad Maps is up around 500 a game. Again. Um, I I like games for different reasons than Chris does. And <laughs> there's no right or wrong answer. And I also think I like to back things on Kickstarter that I feel like won't make it to retail necessarily. Um, that like, if like this is somebody's passion project and they want to make it a reality, like, and I want to make that happen for them and i'm like interested in their like design as a story and smaller hey, companies and ideas i like hey, to support tom, that kind of thing tom vassal has an actual video review of gem hen so aha but and gem just looks really cool i don't think he i don't remember i remember watching it and i don't think he actually hated it i think he was okay <laughs> well, with that's it. a ringing endorsement I, i'm just i'm saying <laughs> like every once in a while there'll be a review where it's like this game is trash um, but no, I think he actually did like this one. It's been a while. Pull it off the table, play it. Yeah, I need to brush the dust off this guy. Go back and listen to our playing games by yourself episode. Play multiple positions just to kind of get a feel for the game and see. This is my this recommendation. This one does to seem everybody. very silly and random, so I don't know if it's even. I, don't know. I think we'll I think you could do it. There's like 600 dice in there, so. Uh, Fletcher, any other games in your collection that you feel like you need to get to the table? Um, really any of them <laughs> because <laughs> it's, been, it's been a long time, but it, some of these games you I need can to play tell, solo as well. You need to tell Carmen that you've been given homework for the podcast and you have to play two games this week. It's worked super well with Spencer in the past. It's not something that drives him insane whenever I do it. <laughs> <laughs> I could do that. You're still, you're still in the pre honeymoon period though. So she'll do things for you. After I do, then yeah. <laughs> After I do, it's like, I don't need to anymore is how that really goes. Don't you have friends? I do, and now I don't. <laughs> now I don't. Um, but yeah, play play a couple old games. Just it, Like I say, it's interesting to discover. I mean, we talk about it sort of, but really, when you're doing a podcast like this, it's really, really easy to just fall into talking about the the latest games. But there are a lot of great games that come out all the time. And just because something else came out after it doesn't mean that that game is less for it. So going back and revisiting some of these old games or a game you haven't played in a long time, it can be surprising how much it feels like playing the new hotness because, oh, I don't remember this or I never got this to the table. And wow, this was this was fun. So, so another... Chris, I want you to look at your list of games because... I don't know if this topic was named properly. <laughs> um, how many of these games have you played before this week? Um, I'm remembering one, one. <laughs> two, but out of um, how many? Out of well, out of six that I talked about. So Cloud okay. Spire, I had not played before. Too many bones, I yes. did once. Stunning Emerald, I had not played before. Cthulhu, Death May Die, I did once. Pandemic, I had not played before. And Tang Garden, I had not played before. But um, 
revisiting old games, I'm using that in multiple ways. You can revisit something you've played before, or you can revisit something that you wanted to play but never got a chance to play before. So that's that's how I'm using it. Okay. So there are a few others that are on my list as I was looking over um, all the games in my game room. And I want to play Plague Inc. again, not because of Corona, but because we just got the latest expansion in a few months ago. And haven't played it since. I want to play Call to Adventure again for the same reason. I have an expansion for it. That one I will likely play solo. I actually think I like the solo experience to Call to Adventure better than the multiplayer. Um, Call to Adventure is its essentially a, a game where you're creating a story. And you do get scored for it. But ultimately, like just the act of creating the story is the interesting part. Um, so I find this a really, really compelling solo game. It's super easy to set up and play. Um, it plays solo in probably 20, 25 minutes. Um, Alien Frontiers, I literally just got the expansions for it today. Uh, this is a dice rolling worker placement game where the dice are the workers, um, which represent ships, and you have to place certain combinations of dice to do different actions. Um, I haven't played this one in years, but it's, it's so very good. Um, Root, I've talked about a couple times. I've played this once. I've taught this once. I really want to play this many, many, many more times because Root just seems like it's a game I really, really like. And it's so complicated that it's hard to get to the table because I'm like, all right, I'm going to have to relearn the rules again. Even if I've played it, every faction has a different set of rules. I tried to learn this game without paying enough attention and it just like nothing stuck i know not like i spent (laughs) hours trying to figure out this game without enough like like i was trying to passively take it in like a video was playing but i wasn't like a hundred percent focused on it nothing stuck nothing this requires mental and emotional investment in order to learn (laughs) it's intense um, seventh Spencer continent. is interested in that one though. If you can, it's it is figure so, out how to play with him. <laughs> like I say it is so good. Um, seventh continent is another one. Uh, we still ha- we're in the middle of a saved game from Dice Tower Con two years ago that <laughs> I am ready to just open up and start playing again from there and see how it goes. Um, Black Angel is a game that is a heavy Euro game that just never made it to the table. I might see if there's a solo version of that and play that. But um, speaking of heavy Euros, Kanban is a car factory game. Yes, and it goes along with the Kanban uh, development system. (laughs) (laughs) Does it Um, really? Yeah. Yeah, basically, so Kanban, if you're in the... Software development is probably the main industry, but Kanban actually comes from manufacturing. And the concept is finding the choke points of a process. And that's the only thing you focus on in any process is where is the bottleneck? What's causing us? If we need more people to make widget B, then that's our only issue. We're getting stuck on widget B. Let's get more people on widget B. Um, and that's really what Kanban kind of encourages for any kind of process. Um, we use it in the software industry to say, okay, so, you know, you have a lot of different places where any particular feature that goes in software is going to happen. And is it not having enough features to work on? Is it not having enough developers? Is it not having enough QA? Um, whatever it happens to be. Uh, so we can use Kanban there. But this is goes back to its roots because Kanban was originally developed, I believe, as a Japanese um, method for manufacturing plants. And this is a car manufacturing plant 
the board game called Kanban. It is, it sounds dry. And if you know what Kanban is, you're like, wait a minute, I'm going to play. A- I was going to say, if I wanted to listen to my husband <laughs> talk about work, I could ignore him. I know. Exactly. It sounds like Jira, the board game. <laughs> <laughs> it is It is like Jira, the board game. But it doesn't feel like that. It is a car building Euro game. And it's, it's really, time for backlog really, really refinement. <laughs> Google <sighs> Jira for kids. It is the best April Fool's Jira YouTube. It's just so good. Jira for kids. J-I-R-A. Yeah. J-I-R-A Jira. I can type it. Yeah. Um, And then Empires of the Void, which is a Ryan Lockett. Empires of the Void 2, which is a Ryan Lockett um, space game, which we played once. And I really, really want to play again. But this one, I think, is going to require more than two people. So um, that one might still take a while. But yeah, and this list is just growing as I'm like, you know, I'm just going to keep pulling things off the shelf and playing things I've played before is cool because I don't have to completely relearn and I get to kind of refresh how much I liked that game. On the list I just gave, Black Angel is the only one that I haven't played before. So these are the ones I'm like, I just, yeah, let's do these again. I don't know. Next week, we'll talk about Animal Crossing. (laughs) (laughs) Don't tease me. Well... It, it may end up being that. I don't know. We'll see. I'll talk if we about do it talk about all it, day, you have to give me day. heads up so I can buy it. <laughs> you should buy it regardless because it's very good. Uh, and it's digital. You can just no. buy it digital. Actually, I don't like buying it digital. So I'm going to, this is how we're going to test this. I'm going to Amazon right now. And oh my gosh. I'm, just buy it digital. Why would you not buy it digital? Um, there are so many reasons. Um, reason number one, once you buy it digital, you're always paying full price when you buy it digital. You can't resell it once you buy it, bought it digital. You're almost always paying full price, especially if you're buying it from. Well, if you're buying it this week, you're paying full price no matter where you're buying it. That's true. Um, Um, you can get good sales on digital stuff. Don't be ridiculous. Um, how many of your games do you actually ever resell? Um, none because I'm a hoarder. But so the fact why that not I can. just buy digital? You're creating <laughs> more plastic waste in this world that doesn't need to be there. You're having to download the software updates all the time anyway because that's how it works. Is you're just buying like a physical thing that is tied to a digital software. It's ridiculous. You're being ridiculous. <laughs> you could have right, it well- tonight and be playing it right now. <laughs> Yeah, but what if can't you have, do it. Two I have to edit a podcast and you want to share a game? Yeah. Boom. Another reason. That one is more fair. Um, can Loaning you share it out. an account, though? No, because no. no You're individuals. It's like if Carmen and I have our own Switches, she has a Switch. Yeah. You know, can't you she has create. An account. I have an account. Yeah, but can't you sign in? <laughs> I don't know. Can you? I don't have to worry about well, that with not physical a- cartridges. Here's a game you can play. That's that's a fair point. I I concede that that one is a fair point. Um, well, it's not available on Animal Crossing anyway, so GameStop. Let's see. Actually, Target is a really good place to go these Crossing. days. Not available on Animal Crossing. Not available on Animal Crossing. All right. Anyway, we, we are already have one over. for our household, so it's yeah. not a big deal. And Spencer will never play Animal Crossing. It makes me sad. Um, but then I don't have to share my villagers' love with anyone else. This this might be a digital only. Is this New Horizons? Is that the name of the game? Yes. Subtitle? Yeah. All right. Well, it's not available for shipping from Target, so apparently it's in high demand. You don't say. <laughs> you should look at the numbers on this game. 
I don't want. It has nothing to do with board games, though. I don't know how we could possibly tie this into a tabletop game talk. This would just be like, hmm. It's like, we give up. We're just, we're just talking about video games. <laughs> Next week is Netflix. <laughs> Next week, it's all Animal Crossing and Tiger King, because Chris has given up and Kitty is taking over the show. <laughs> this is what happens if we let Kitty take over. All right. Speaking of taking over, you can follow us on Facebook at Tabletop Game Talk Podcast. <laughs> Twitter is Tabletop Game TLK. Kitty's Lawful Good Mom. I am Game Master Chris. Fletcher's Net Fletch. Sometimes those are in order. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can go to Patreon. You can go to tabletopgametalk.com slash Patreon. You, you can go to the Google machine. You can type in some letters. You might get to our webpage. Or I feel like else. we always point out we have a Patreon right in the middle of us doing our worst job ever. <laughs> like, hey, you if can you support like us, this and I don't mess, know why you'd want to do you that. Can support us. <laughs> yep, and, and something that's happening during the pandemic is. <laughs> <laughs> please help. <laughs> please, please. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Uh huh. I'm not even going to our Patreon page officially. So if people have dropped us, um, I don't know. So you're still in the credits, which Fletcher will read right after Kitty does her part. Tabletop Game Talk is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Thanks for listening, and remember we love your feedback. So email us with comments or questions about today's topic at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. Finally, a huge thank you to our patrons Adam Harrison, the SGC, the Gift of Games, Jason Strong, Terrence Miltner, Stephen Seitz, Brian Arnold, Sean P. Kelly, C. Marie, Rudy Liu. Benjamin Heimowitz, Jerry Huang, Caleb O'Brien, Jennifer Engelbrecht, Justin Willard, Christopher Dong, Jason Marks, Jeremy Fisher, David Radke, Nick Quickstra, David Sellers, Jason Rodney, Michael Yanikowski, Miles Clark, Cindy Loom, Phil Schwartzel, Ann Reynolds, Eric Huffman, Adrian Dog, Dog, Dong, man, Nate, <laughs> Baz, that's not the hard one, uh, Sean Peck, Eric Salander, Mike Smith, Joe Hoover, Timothy Gross, Glenn Connor, Jesse Wachowiak, Gregory Huber, Don Gilstrap, Stephen Judd, Leanne Verholst, Christopher Letko, John Lewis, Joe Rackstad, Ron Nelson, Sahara Wentworth, Weatherman Keith, Nicholas Lotz, Agnes Toth, Paul Raymer, Timothy, Matthew Droke, Aaron Moore, Jesse Wheeler, and Charles Pearson. Until next week, keep playing games and having fun. You know what else I've been meaning to do during the sequestering is actually making progress on painting and game design. And I have not touched either of those things. I had a really good idea about my game design earlier today, and I still haven't done anything about it. But I had an idea. And it's half the battle, right? Mm Mm-hmm.